Good evening, folks. Uh, welcome to the Adafruit Show and Tell. My name is Melissa, and tonight I will be hosting. And we're going to go ahead and start out with Scott here. Hello. Hi. I, I am like deep in the weeds of debugging. Uh, I'll show you my output anyway. Um, so I've been working on. Oh, sorry, I put the wrong thing there. I, I yeah, I had not, now my window is shared with you. So I've been working on getting uh, USB host working on the RP2040. Um, and right now I'm like printing out a bunch of stuff that's debugging. Um, I'm trying to get the IntelliKeys working, which is this, um, get a corner of it here. It's this uh, like touchscreen thing that I'm sure folks who have been around have seen, uh, but I've got it running into uh, uh, RP2040 Feather here. And I'm trying to load the firmware and I wrote the code that wrote to load the firmware and noticed it was like really slow, uh, like two seconds between 16 byte chunks, which is like way, you shouldn't need two seconds or 16 bytes. Um, and I also just noticed that like, if I'm doing something on the drive, it actually goes faster. So there's something that's happening that some delay that's, that's uh, causing me to slow down. Um, and so the debug stuff that you have here is, uh, I'm logging to the UART, so I actually have a separate um, USB to serial converter. And I, I'm showing when the TUH, so that's the host stack, is running. Um, and those of you who use TO, one cool thing about TO is you can actually put it in a mode where it will do the diff, the time diff, between print statements. Um, it's really, it, it would be handier if I didn't have so many prints. Um, but it's a great mode for, if you want to be able to, like, kind of do some coarse timing for things. You can actually just like print one and print another and you can see it'll show you the difference between the two. Um, that's a, a TO, TO, TO tip, I guess. <laughs> mm. um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm working on USB host. I've got it working pretty well. Um, maybe, let's see, if this, let's just go for a little bit. So what I'm doing is I had this dongle I showed last week. Uh, with the IMX, but I'm going to plug it in and see if that does anything. Maybe I can control C my, my running code. Doesn't look like it. <laughs> oh, okay. So this is for USB host stuff. Yeah. So this is all USB host. So the TUH is like this, the prefix that uh, tiny USB uses for the host side of things. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I got it working with this keyboard uh, that I showed with the IMX, and now I was trying to get the IntelliKeys working and hitting this timing issue. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out, and you can see it even here, like there's some two second waits here. And uh, I don't know, I don't know why it's waiting two seconds. So that's the that's the tricky thing. Um, why why is it waking, waiting two seconds between things? Yeah, it's um, 2.13 something. Yeah, but I was also seeing some like 4.2s so it was like, it's a very weird number. It might have to do with like timer rollover or something. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to figure out why that is. And uh, like, I thought it was just the sleep code. And then I put a print in there and wasn't getting the sleep code. So I was like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm deep in the USB host weeds, but making good progress. Um, had some issues with multi-core. So like core one, people have wanted to use both cores on the RP2040 
in CircuitPython and we kind of like push back and not doing that. And so now we have, this is our second case where we're, we're using it internally. So the first one was Pico DBI. We're like, it's busy. It's, it's busy all the time. And then this is the second case where um, we're using it to do the USB, the low level USB transactions, um, plus two, both PIOs and three state machines in those PIOs. So it's, it's pretty intense in terms of uh, resources under the hood, but should be pretty cool. Um, so that's what I'm working on. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it did stop running my code because it's just showing TUH test now. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> I don't know why it's waiting two seconds every now and then, <laughs> but I'll figure it out. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks for hosting. Yeah. And next, we're going to go ahead and have Liz come on. Hello. I'm very excited for USB host. Very excited that Scott is Ooh, talking about sorry, that. Sorry, I had the wrong thing there. No, it's all good. Uh, so this little device here um, is an IKEA air quality monitor. I think it's called the Vindrixning. Uh, and it's fairly cheap. It's like 12 to 15 bucks. Um, and it's got a PM1006 uh, air quality monitor in there. Uh, so I thought it would be cool to get it to actually connect to the internet and log data and also with CircuitPython. Uh, so this dashboard that you're seeing is my Adafruit IO dashboard. And inside, which I'll show in a second, is a QtPy ESP32-S3. And so it's taking the data from the PM1006 over UART and then logging it up to Adafruit I.O. And so now I'm just going to unplug it and show you what it looks like inside to do that. So okay. You want me to... Oh, yeah. If you can make my video big, that'd be great. Yeah. Let me just figure out how I do that. Oh, here. I think I did there, that. Perfect. Um, so thank you. So inside I've got the, let me get a good angle. You can see there's cutie pie there. It's just hot glued. And then it's just, uh, three wires going in there, power ground and the UART going to RX. And I was very excited that I was able to do this without being, um, destructive to the electronics because there are test points on the PCB. So I'm just pulling power ground and the data signal. So everything else on the air quality sensor is running stock still. So like the LED still works. It's still polling the sensor every, I think it's like 30 seconds. You can hear the fan power on, but everything else is fine. And so the Cutie Pie is getting power through its battery pads under the USB and then just that RX pin. So this is going to be a guide. Uh, so there'll be the CircuitPython code and also, I walk through how to do the dashboard setup and also how to do alerts with Adafruit IO too. So I set up so that you can get alerts if the air quality goes above a certain amount via text or email. Uh, so that should be out next week. And yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks. And next tip, we are going to have Noe. Hey, hello. Yeah, so um, this week I came up with a little uh, 3D printed case for the Feather RP2040 with DVI. So it's just a simple. Right. Yep, it's okay. Yep, so it's just a simple uh, case that snap fits together. There's no screws needed. Um, it's got two mounting tabs, so you can attach this to something else. And there's a little slot here, so if folks want to have wires come out or cables, they can do that. And then the top cover. 
uh, has some little features, so it snap fits onto the case like that. And then there's these little live hinges that allow you to press the boot button or the reset button. A uh, little hole here is for the NeoPixel uh, LED to shine through. And then okay, we have a little yeah. Hole. yeah, and then we have a little hole here for the stem QT. So if folks want to have a, a breakout board, they can add that without having to take the cover off. Um, so you got the DVI, the HDMI uh, port here, and then USB there. So pretty straightforward. It's a lot like the USB host um, feather case. Um, so I'm going to try to do one for all the feathers like this. Um, oh, but yeah, I got the files up on uh, the Adafruit Learn system. So that's public. I also have it on printables. And I'll probably get it up on Thingiverse and other places too. Um, but yeah, really simple 3D printed case. Uh, no supports needed for anything. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with the Feather DVI. There's a lot of fun screensaver demos that uh, Phil B put together. Nice. And, uh, I haven't yeah. had a chance to power it up yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, definitely check it out when you have a chance, and uh, maybe make a case if you need to. to oh yeah, it. good idea. Yeah. Oh. Cool. Um. Yeah. Thank you, and thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Bye, folks. And uh, last, we have DJ Devon Three. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, uh, so this is a continuation of my male Laura boombox, uh, which is RFM powered. And Dan H had a suggestion to uh, to do a rangefinder test. So this is battery powered with a ESP32 S2 reverse TFT. Uh, so just let me plug in a battery here. So this will continually ping this. So I took this out for a drive and so that I could see just how far it would trigger from. And then I used a, basically a Wi-Fi camera uh, with my phone <laughs> in order to, uh, to actually look at the, the mailbox to see if it was still triggering no matter how far out I, I went. I got about 200 feet right around the corner. So for everyone who's interested in doing like the RFM messengers, it's really not going to go far unless you have this um, pole antenna like mounted on top of your house in order to go far. About the farthest range you're going to get from this um, in a suburban environment that has like, you know, houses in the way because line of sight is very important. It's probably just within the next couple of houses over. Like it's, it's not going to go very far unless you're on a hill looking down a mountain into a valley kind of thing. You know, I'm in Florida, so everything's flat. So it's not going to go very far. Uh, so that's just what I wanted to show is uh, the actual range that you might want that, to that you might get from an RFM. That's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, little RFM range tester. That's pretty cool, yeah. Uh, thanks for stopping by. I thank you very much. Have a great day. Thanks. And it looks like we have one more person stop in. Uh, so uh, yeah. this is uh, Micah. Hello. Yeah. So I've been working on a lot of different projects recently, but one of them has been uh, a desktop gamepad. So, you know, then the regular game controller, you kind of hold like this, there's the joysticks. Um, but I thought that isn't very ergonomic if you're sitting at a desk and you just kind of want to have your hands like this, like on a split keyboard. So I thought I'd design one. So I did. And let me just share my screen real quick. 
Um, can you see this? Uh, let me add it to the stream there. Yes. So I did a little diagram. This is actually a few months ago of your hand on the game controller. It's going to be two halves of it. So one for your left hand, one for your right hand. And that's, so I just started with designing the left half. Um, and there's a little joystick for your thumb, D-pad for your index finger, um, a trigger for your middle finger, and two buttons for your ring finger and pinky. Okay. And over here, you've got I've got the 3D render. So I designed what I think is a cool logo. Um, yeah. This cool like split in half game controller. And I've got over here it says um, desktop gamepad version 1.0. Real gamers use joysticks because nice. even though that's not really true, but I thought. It was cool. <laughs> um, and then here's the D-pad, uh, this little thing. And okay. this is going to connect to a joystick that I. Um, that is a replacement joystick for the Nintendo Joy-Con for the Switch. And oh, okay. it's kind of messing up. The, the silk screen is kind of messing up everything else, but there's a Hall Effect sensor here for a slider and a, a couple other buttons over here. And okay. yeah, that's about it. So I'm excited to keep working on this and just thought I'd show off my progress. That's good. Thank you for uh, showing us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And that's it for show and tell. Uh, stick around, and uh, the Ask an Engineer will be on at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, thanks for watching. And thanks to everybody who stopped by. <laughs>